Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. lives on the word of God. So that has been our aim throughout this series. So let's go to first Kings chapter 17. I got about nine verses to read. So we're going to catch you up on your weekly Bible reading right now. Okay. So if you fell behind, we're catching you up. Go with me to first Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse seven and all the way down to verse 16. Here it goes. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, him is Elijah, and he told him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, Now, Elijah gets a little stingy right here. First, he's like, hey, could you give me some water? I like this part right here. He says, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Please get me some bread as well. You might think that's not an unusual request, but wait till we read her response. And she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we could eat and then die. Whoa, we went from zero to 100 real quick, all right? That escalated quickly, as Ron Burgundy once said. Going on, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first... Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Everybody say, but first. There was an order there. He said, first, make me some bread. And then he says, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour. Now here's a miracle for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So for the next few moments, I'm going to wrap this series up talking about this thought, just enough for generosity, just enough for generosity. Let me pray with you one more time and then I'm going to seat you. Father, your word is already anointed. I just pray that it would accomplish what you have set it out to do here today. I pray that every heart and mind would be willing to receive your word today. Let our hearts be open to what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. Let's talk about this thought just enough for generosity. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts in all of the Bible is reading about the miracles. Do you guys enjoy reading about the miracles in the Bible? Like, that's, that's my favorite part. You, you, you can catch me slipping on Leviticus 
When it comes to reading the book of Leviticus in the Bible, I'll be sleeping through that. Uh, I'll only read it because I have to because it's in my Bible reading plan. But put some miracles in front of me, and I love reading about the miracles in the Bible. Like, like the time when manna showed up every morning when Israel was wandering in the wilderness. You know, just, just food from heaven just being deposited. It was Instacart before there was Instacart. You know what I'm saying? Like, like food sent from heaven every morning right outside their tent. I think about Moses. Moses stretched out his rod and all of a sudden the Red Sea had to part. That was a wild miracle. Or how about when Gideon, God came to Gideon and said, I I want you to fight against the armies of your enemies and, and I want you to do it with only 300 people. He had to fight armies of hundreds of thousands with only 300 people. That was a miracle. And I think about Joshua, and um, as Joshua's fighting against the enemies in the wilderness, he prayed for the Lord to make the sun stand still so they would have victory over their enemies. And so the Lord caused the sun to stand still long enough for them to have miraculous victory over their enemies. So all throughout the Bible, you have the unexplainable. All throughout the Bible, you have God do miracles. He does things that cannot be explained, and they're some of my favorite passages of the Bible. But, but I want to I let you in on something that I've learned about miracles in the Bible. Y'all ready for it? Here's what I've learned about miracles in the Bible, okay? All throughout the Bible, you'll see that there are two key ingredients for a miracle. One, and, and they kind of resulted in the third key ingredient, but, but the two key ingredients for miracles that you'll see is, number one, compassion. Can you say compassion? Yes. You'll see that Jesus oftentimes would do a miracle because he looked out and the Bible says he would see the crowds and he would have compassion on them. So compassion was one ingredient of a miracle. The second ingredient for a miracle was oftentimes generosity. Can you say generosity? And then the third one, because I want to make sure I'm being faithful to the word, is covenant. But typically, when God would do a miracle out of covenants, because what preceded that was compassion or generosity. And so as we close out this series, I want to talk to you about generosity today. And what I love about generosity is it's connected to seeing God do the miraculous all throughout the scriptures. So let me set up, um, let me set up 1 Kings 17, because if you're reading, man, why did that widow get so extra when she said, I'm going to make you some food and then I'm going to go home and die? Well, when you read 1 Kings 17, the Bible teaches us that um, King Ahab, can you all say Ahab? Ahab? He was the king of Israel and he was an idolater. Like, and, and that's not good when like, like when God gave the Ten Commandments at the top of the list, what did he say? Don't have any other gods before me. Like, like that was priority one. It's almost like, like if you're going to blow a commandment, try not to blow the first one. But Ahab was slipping on the very first commandment. And, and it's not just that he was slipping on it, but he led all of Israel into idolatry. He, he, he navigated, he, he led them into idolatry as well. And, and so God got fed up with Ahab and, and, and how Israel was so complicit in it all. And so God, and so God was like, okay, Elijah, go tell Ahab that I'm going to cause a drought to come and there will be no more rain in all of Israel. So Elijah went and delivers the word to Ahab and said, Ahab, it's not going to rain anymore. It's going to be kind of like San Diego before 2023. I remember how dry it used to be in San Diego. Remember when they were saying like, it's going to take 20 years to restore the drought. And then 2023 came. And by the end of March, we're like, we're good. Everything's fine. I started telling my friends, it, the rain was so bad in San Diego that it caused sinkholes in our freeways. Like it did. The 78 got jacked up. Do you want to know how jacked up the rain was in San Diego? You didn't even have to pay taxes by April. 
You know the rain is bad when the government says, you know what? You got six months extra to pay your taxes. I have no idea what rain has to do with your taxes, but I praise God for it anyway. You know, he's like, I will take the extension. Praise the Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to give you my money. But um, that's how bad the rain was. So we can kind of understand the plight that Israel was in. And so the reason this, this, this woman, you know, she said what she said is the drought was affecting agriculture. And so when there's no rain, there's no water, when there's no water, there's no vegetation, when there's no vegetation, there's no vegetables, there's no fruit. It's becoming a problem. And so what God does is he directs Elijah. He says, Elijah, give the word to King Ahab, <laughs> and then you're going to have to go hide because you are going to be um, Israel's most wanted. Like, like no one's going to like you, Elijah, because the rain is going to stop. Uh, because of your word and so i'm going to put you into hiding you're going to go into the original witness protection program so that nobody comes after you because i'm not going to let it rain again until you say it can rain again that that's the partnership that elijah had with god okay it's like you're going to say no more rain will be no more rain and when i say it's time for rain i'll send you to go put the put israel on notice again so he tells elijah what i want you to do is i want you to go and hide by this brook. And when you go and hide by this brook, drink whatever water's left at that brook. And then, now this is where the Bible gets a little weird, okay? How many of the Bible can get a little weird? It's not sacrilegious to say that, okay? There's just some stuff where you're like, that's strange. Let me prove it to you. He says, Elijah, go to the brook. There's going to be some water there, what's left of the water. And then I'm going to send a raven to feed you. I told you it was weird, okay? Um, he's like the original Dr. Doolittle. Like, I'm going to... Just send a raven, and the raven's going to give you your food. And so that is how the Lord took care of Elijah. Now, I'm going to pause for the cause and just say this. Whenever God does something or whenever God tells you to do something that in that moment doesn't make sense, let me tell you, God does not need your opinion. What he does need is your obedience. He does not need your opinion, but what he does need is your obedience. Elijah was like, okay, strange as it sounds go hang out by the brook and I'm gonna watch some birds feed me so now we get to the text where I read to you earlier where now God says to Elijah okay there's no more water here go to Zarephath and there you're gonna meet a widow can you all say a widow a widow that that's important they live in a patriarchal society and God said a widow Meaning she's already limited in her resources. Meaning life is already hard. She's a single mama. My respect to all the single mamas out there. And it's like, she's going to take care of you, Elijah. A widow. I've always wondered, like, God, why couldn't you send Elijah to a businessman? Why, why couldn't you send Elijah to someone of resources? Why, why couldn't you send Elijah to someone that, that could more properly take care of him? Like, why you got to go to a widow? Well, here's the reason why, and I want you to write this down. Point number one, generosity is about your heart and not your resources. Generosity is about your heart and not your resources. So what I want you to understand is God's economy is not like our economy. In our economy, when we're looking for God to do something, we think God's going to look for people that have all the resources. We think God's going to look for people that has the network. People, he's going to look for people that have the pedigree. Over and over throughout the scripture, God is going to use the least likely person in order to do a miracle in their life. 
And, and here's the reason why. It's actually built on another kingdom principle. Y'all ready for a new kingdom principle? Here's another one. 1 Samuel 16, 7. I'm going to make an application. God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel. He sends him to Jesse's house. Jesse's got a whole bunch of kids. He didn't have a television. He had a whole bunch of kids. I'm kidding. And so, so one by one, Jesse's bringing all of his sons in front of the prophet and is saying to them, is this the next king? Is this the next king? Is this the next king? And this is what God says to Samuel. He says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. Here's a kingdom principle. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, say it with me, heart. That's a kingdom principle. We tend to look at who's got the resources, and God's like, I'm looking for the person with heart. We think Elijah should have gone to a business owner, and God's like, I don't need a business owner who doesn't have a heart. I need someone. I'll use anyone who's got a generous heart, and I'm going to use that person who has a heart of generosity. Now, that ought to preach to some of you because some of you, God is asking you to do something, and you don't want to do it because you're looking at your stuff, and God's not concerned about your stuff. Some of you, God's asking to do something for him, and you're afraid to step out because you're consulting with your bank account and not consulting with your faith. And, and, and you need to understand that if God is calling you to something, he already knows what you don't have, and he doesn't care about what you don't have if he sees that you will have the right heart. Because if you have the right heart, it's going to make up for every single area of lack in your life. If you have the right heart, that's the thing that God is looking for. God, when he asks you to do something, he doesn't check your resources. He checks your heart. He checks your heart. Now, conversely, conversely, how many of y'all know sometimes there's a converse to that where it's like, okay, let me kind of flip it on its head. If some of you have been looking at all your stuff and wondering why God hasn't been doing it for you, perhaps it's because he's looking at the heart. And he's saying, this isn't ready yet. I met a lot of people who had a lot going on exteriorly, and they're wondering why God hasn't done it for them. And I think the answer is because God knows you ain't got it going on interiorly yet. I don't know if I just wrote that word. Is that a word or not? Anyway, God's doesn't, God sees the heart. and He's like, you're not ready for it because the platform you're looking for would kill you if I gave it to you. The promotion would break your marriage if I gave it to you because this isn't right yet. And so when God is looking at Zarephath and when God is looking for someone to provide for his prophet, he finds a widow. Why? Because he knew this widow had a yes in her spirit. He knew this widow would say yes to the man of God. As a pastor, can I just make a confession to you all right now? I love when people have a yes in their spirit. I'm talking about people that are like, Pastor, this is a challenge. I don't know if we're going to make it through here, but I've got a yes in my spirit. I just believe God's going to make a way. I just believe God's going to open a door. I just believe God's going to do the miraculous. I just believe God's going to make a way out of no way. And that's what this woman was. She was a woman with a yes in her spirit. She was a woman who said, I know it doesn't look like we can do it, but we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. I, 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 I was just... I just have enough food for one last meal, and then I'm going to go ahead and die. But since you're the man of God, I'm going to do it for you. Come on. Everybody say yes. yes. She had a yes in her spirit. I love people with a yes in their spirit. Do you guys remember when Moses sent out 12 spies when they were wandering in the wilderness? He sends out 12 to go look at the promised land, and only two came back with a yes in their spirit. 
Those were two good men, right? Joshua and Caleb. The only men that had a yes in their spirit. The other ten men came back super analytical. Said, you know, they're bigger than us. Those grapes are nice, but those people look mean. I mean, they've, they've got fortified cities and walls. And so what they did is they started sowing all of this no into the hearts of Israel. And so finally, God got sick of it. He's like, fine, y'all want to water? Y'all can water for 40 years. And then I'll let every one of you with a no in your spirit die off in the wilderness. And the only ones that are going to see the promised land are Caleb and Joshua because they're the only ones that had a yes in their spirit. I'm talking about people with a yes in their spirit. Sometimes you need to just have a yes to the things of God, even when they don't make sense. Even when they don't make sense. And so God is looking at Zarephath, and he's looking for someone, and all he finds is a widow. Everybody say a widow. That's it. Why? Because here's a principle. Generosity is about your heart, and it has nothing to do with your resources. So let's go on in the story. So Elijah, when he asks this woman, um, you know, this is what I need you to do for me. She gives him the lowdown. She's like, are you kidding me? I mean, I barely have enough food for me and my son. I'm about to go make these tortillas. And then when I'm done, we're just going to die. And that's going to be it. So how is it that you are asking this of me? But here's what I know about generosity. Generosity is proportionate to what you have. Generosity is proportionate to what you have. Because a lot of people are like, Pastor, you know, when I win the lotto, then I'll be generous with the church. I'm playing the lotto, Pastor, and when I do, I'm going to give a tithe and we'll be able to build like 10 buildings, Pastor Josh. That's what I'm doing, Pastor Josh. That's not generosity. That has nothing to do with generosity. Generosity is always in proportion to what you have. Jesus talked about this in the New Testament. He gives a story. He does a parable. He, he brings his listeners in. He says, listen, let me tell you a story, everybody. There was a woman who had two mites, which is the equivalent of pocket change. And, and she came and she brought two mites and she gave it in the offering of the, uh, at, at the temple. And then a rich man came after her. And this man was like walking down. To bring his offering, he hired a band to play for him. He sent all of his servants, and he was in the temple, just like making it rain. You know what I mean? It's like, here we go, making it rain in the temple. And then so Jesus asks this the crowd, who gave more? And naturally, they're like, well, it had to be the rich guy because she gave pocket change, and he let them know it was her because according to what she had, it was the greater sacrifice. What you think was a big amount was actually pocket change for the rich guy. But that literal pocket change was all this woman had. And so generosity is not about your resources. It's about your heart. And generosity is proportionate to what you have, meaning whatever you have now, God challenges you to be generous in that thing. Not when you get the raise, not when you sell your house, not, not, not when you get a windfall. Like, like generosity begins now. And I learned this principle real early on in life. And, uh, and so I'm going to tell a story. And if you've ever made it into my story, it's because you do life with me. And if you do life with me long enough, you make it into all my stories. And so I'm going to tell you a story about me and Pastor Phil. I love you, Pastor Phil. We've been doing life together for a long time. But when I got my first job working at Cinnabon, come on, how many like Cinnabon? Come on, it's bad for your arteries, but good for your soul. And so my very first job, I'm working, and, and um, it was right there at, at Plaza Bonita. And my friend Phil, he'd even, he'd be like, 
call me. We didn't even text back then. It didn't work. So it's like, that's how old we are. It's like, he'd call me. Are you working today? Yeah, I'm working today. Because he knew he didn't come get his free cinnamon roll. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he'd just roll up. He would just post up. You know what I mean? He would just show up. Anyway, um, my point being is, even then, with my, my, my summer job, while I'm, in, while I'm in high school, I knew to give God the first of what I had. Why? Because I watched my dad give the first of what he had. Parents, let me talk to you for a minute. Generosity is caught, not taught. Generosity is caught, not taught. And so you, mom and dad, you have to look for opportunities to let your kids catch you being generous. And, and, and I learned about giving God my first when I would see my dad write his checks to the church. How many of y'all, they had no text to give back then? I'm talking about in the 80s, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, there was no text to give, no website giving. Al Gore hadn't even invented the internet back then. Some of y'all get that. Some, some, some of you guys are like, no idea what he's talking about. But I, I, I see my father being generous, and I caught him doing that. And, and I, I've, I've tried to apply this same principle. I'd, I'd, I'd see my dad give a check, and in my flesh, <laughs> my nine-year-old flesh, you know, I'd be like, man, I can buy a, a new game for the NES with that. Yes, the NES, not the Super, the end, the original, the blowing, when snacking up, blowing it. Yes. I could buy some new Jordans. They had Jordans back then, too. So it's like, I could buy some new Jordans. He was like, Dad, you really going to put that much in the offering? But I was watching my dad give and being generous in proportion to what he had. And so I learned at a young age that once I started working, if I wanted to be blessed like my dad was blessed, I needed to do what my dad did. And so I made it a point to give God my first. Now, for those of you that are like, well, I just don't got enough to give, I just encourage you, give what you've got. Give what you can. Be generous in the way that God leads you because here's, here's what Jesus said about when you should start giving. Luke 16, 10. This is Jesus talking. I know when I talk about money, same like, oh, man, this pastor talking about money. Talked about tithing last week. Talking about generosity this week. He keeps talking about money. Hold on a second. I, I know you're mad at me, so let me just tell you what my friend said, okay? My friend's name is Jesus. All right, let me just tell you what my friend said. <laughs> he said this, Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And, and, and so Jesus looks at us and says, can I trust you with little? If I can trust you with little, then I can trust you with much. And oftentimes we want to wait till the much arrives, but let me just tell you that the key to generous living, the key to generosity is not turning the fountain on when you think you've got a lot, but turning the fountain on even when it feels like it's a sacrifice. Because generosity is in proportion to what you have. Some of you are asking God for more. You can be trusted with more by being faithful with what you have right now. Being faithful with what you have right now. And I'm coming to a close now, so let me get the music and play something that makes me sound good. <laughs> Y'all ready for the conclusion? Here it is. So the story goes on that the woman, she, she made the food, and then she gave first. She gave Elijah the first of what she had. And if you think about it, last week I was talking about tithing, which is 10%. If you think about it, she gave 33.3% of what she had to the prophet. She didn't even give a tithe. She gave first, and she gave him one-third. of That's all she had. It's like, I'm going to give you one-third of all I have, and I'm going to give it to you first. Why? She had a generous heart. She had a generous heart. And God knew when he was looking for someone to take care of Elijah that that was the one. So let me go back to the widow. 
when she did that, and the Bible says she left Elijah, she left wherever Elijah was, she went away. How many know she could have stayed away? She'd have been like, I ain't going back. That dude's crazy. Like, forget him. He stinks, you know, he don't smell good. I don't know when's the last time he bathed. He's talking about being fed by ravens. Clearly, <laughs> clearly he is unstable. But she came back, and she brought the first to him. And then the Bible says the next morning when she woke up, there was more flour, more oil. So she'd made more food. She fed him, fed her family. And then the next morning there was more flour and more oil. And this happened every single day until Elijah, through the word of God, said, okay, Ahab, God's going to turn on the faucet again. Drought is over. Every single day while the drought was happening, she never ran out of food. Here's what I know about generosity. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to explain it. Generosity opens the door to more opportunities in your life. Generosity opens the door to more opportunities in your life. Here's what I did not say. I did not say that generosity is going to give you wealth and health. I did not say that. The Bible does not teach that. If someone tries to tell you that if you give, God is going to put a mansion in La Jolla with your name on it. It's not how it works, okay? And if anyone ever tries to tell you that, run. <laughs> run fast. But I do know this. As you are generous with what you have, more opportunities. Those doors begin to open. And that I can see through the scripture. Because every day that she gave to God, the next day, there was more. The next day, there was more. The next day, there was more. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 9.10. He said this, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase. Can y'all say increase? increase? He will increase your store of seed. Let me pause. What Paul was saying is as God gives you seeds and as you sow those seeds, he's going to give you more seeds to sow. But if you never sow the seeds, that he gives you to sow in the first place, you're not going to have any more seeds coming your way. Paul is saying there is a flow of generosity. And when God is generous with you, you could do one of two things. You can live with clenched fists, meaning, oh, God gave me this, therefore I'm going to close my fists and I'm going to hoard what I have and I'm not going to be generous with people. What Paul is saying is if you don't sow what God has given you, God can't give you more because your fists are closed. But if I can get you to live open-handed, there's going to be a flow of generosity in your life. Meaning he's going to continue to give you seed if he can trust you to sow it. He'll give you more resources if he can trust you to steward it. I don't know about you, but I want him to look at me and when he sees me for him to say you've been a faithful steward you you've been faithful to what i've given you and because you've been faithful with little i can reward you with more this is what paul is talking about when he says seed to the sower and let me finish off the scripture because i just told you a second ago it's not talking about health and wealth it says and will enlarge the harvest of your Righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. Not stuff. Righteousness. 
When you are generous, God will open up more opportunities for you to keep on being generous. He, he's going to open up opportunities for you to keep on being a blessed. Lighthouse Church, here, here, here's the bullseye in this sermon series of the blessed life. Jesus said this about being blessed and what it means to live a blessed life. He said, it is more blessed, more blessed to what? Give rather than to receive. Culture tells you you are more blessed with the more houses you have, the more cars you drive, the more assets you have in your portfolio, how much stock do you have. Listen, none of those are bad things. But when you are living for those things, you've got it upside down. When you make that the goal, you'll never experience the blessed life because you've made the goal to be on the receiving end of things. And what God is trying to do, and the reason why next Sunday, I'm so excited for Baptism Sunday, and for some of you that are listening to me right now, they're like, how do I get to this point of being generous? Like, I've been stingy my whole life. <laughs> you ever met anyone like that? Like, they were stingy. Like, like at five, you're like, how are you this stingy already? Like, like, and then it just gets worse the older they get. For any of you like that, let me just tell you, if you feel like this is just the way I am, this is why we are born again. This is why we believe in surrendering your life to Christ and water baptism because the old nature is going to die and a new man's going to come out of the water. Some of y'all just need to get saved. Some of y'all just need to give your life to Christ. If you've never been water baptized, that's your next step because he's going to begin to transform you. He's going to begin to renew you. I get it. Some people... I've seen this happen, are just born generous. They're born generous. You ever met anyone like that? Just born generous. Like you compliment them on their shirt, they're literally taking it off their back to give it to you. And I get it. It's not fair. It's the way God knit them together. And then there's some people where it's work. And it is work. But that's what the gospel does. The gospel gives us a new nature. That's what King Jesus does. He crucifies the old you, and, he, and there's a resurrection of the new you. So what you don't get to say is, I was just born this way. Well, then you need to be born again. And let God produce the new man. If I were to put a bullseye on this series, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Simple words, we've heard it before, quoted it in Sunday school, and yet we have a hard time living it. Why? Because the culture is telling us to receive, 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 receive. We live in a culture of excess, don't we? We live in a culture of, we live in a world of excess. And, and it's just so natural for us. So we have to come and hear from the kingdom of God countercultural thinking. It's countercultural to this world, but it is the kingdom of heaven. It's the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And this is why we're not citizens of this world. We're just passing through, but our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm just passing through this world. So I have to live according to kingdom principles here and now. Right here and now. So as you are generous, God's going to open up more and more opportunities. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. Does God have to come and challenge and stretch you? Yes, he does. Let me share with you one more story. Maybe two. I don't know. I like stories. You've heard this before if you've come to Lighthouse any period of time, but let me do it for the benefit of those who have not yet heard this. So a few years ago when I was working at my previous church, there was a gentleman that came to the church and needed financial assistance. So I had a meeting with them and said, okay, we're going to write a check for you. We're going to make sure you're going to 
get through this issue that you're having. With. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give him $200. I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, let me, let me inform you that we're going to be giving him a check from the church treasury. We got him. He's going to be good. And Holy Spirit said, no, you, out of your resources. And I had to inform the Holy Spirit, I don't got it. I mean, I got a debit card. I don't know cash. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I would if I could, God, but I don't got it. You know me. I would, right? This is what we do. But then he wouldn't let me go. He said, get in the car, take him with you, go to the ATM, pull out $200, and give it to him. And so, reluctantly, can I just be honest? Can I be humble and open and transparent with you all today? Reluctantly. I'm like, fine. And the reason I was so reluctant is because I, I knew that the reason this guy was in the financial position is because he got himself there. Like, he's not wise with his money. Like, he, he was living in a way that he, you know, it's like, dude, you put yourself in the ditch, you know what I'm saying? So it was hard for me to rationalize it because I'm like, well, it's his mess. It's his fault. But that's not what God was telling me to do. So there we go. We go to the ATM, give him the money, and I'm like, all right, God, it's in your hands now. Now, how many know that it's one thing to listen to the Holy Spirit, but then you got to go home and talk to your wife? Sometimes it's easier to talk to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, we can go home and have a conversation with Joanna. So I can still remember she was there chopping up vegetables, making dinner, just gotten home from work. And I had to let her know, right? Okay, men, you have to let them know. Don't be hiding it. Don't be ma- this is not a marriage thing, but take the notes, all right? I knew I needed to let her know, like, ASAP, because there's no hiding it, right? So I'm like, hey, uh, so-and-so came to the church today, and, uh, you know, we gave a gift to that person on behalf of the church, but I, I really felt like I needed to give him, you know, $200. felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me. got real spiritual. You know, we got real spiritual in that moment. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and came like a sh- light shined in the office. There was smoke. I mean, it was, it was epic, baby. You should have been there, you know. I'm like trying to play it up. And she stops, and she's like, well, why did you do it? I mean, you know the way that person lives. I'm like, oh, I know the way that person lives. But I think the Holy Spirit in that moment was speaking to her because she's like, okay. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't a fight. It was like, okay, all right, trust you. And um, gave that gentleman the money and forgot all about it. Uh, sometime later, got a check in the mail for an amount that I really wasn't, I wasn't expecting. It was 10 times the exact amount that I gave him. Was not expecting it. Out of the blue, out of nowhere, check comes into my mailbox. And honestly, I'd like to tell you that, like, I picked up the check and started shouting and, you know, chorus of angels, you know what I mean? No, none of that happened. I forgot all about it. I was just like, well, praise God for this. But then I was on a run, and God talks to me in my run. If you ever wonder why I run so much, it's because I need to talk to God. That's it, right? It's like, and so I'm talking to God on my run, and then God reminds me. He's like, I gave you 10 times the amount that I asked you to sow to him. I rewarded your obedience. And in that moment, it was a financial gift. But it just showed me that when we say yes to God, he begins to increase our opportunities to be more generous. And since then, my wife and I, we've just been on a generosity journey. I shared with you last week, 14% of our income, right back to God through the local church. And we were on a generosity challenge. Because we can never outgive God, but we'll play a game with him. If I give this, you know, what opportunities will you create? What influence will you create? And so we're just giving to God, giving to God, giving to God, and just believing that he's going to do the miraculous. Just believing that he's going to do abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And all I ask, Lighthouse Church, is when God blesses you, that you never let the blessing get stale. Never let the miracle grow stale. Because sometimes that will happen. 
what was a miracle in one season, in the next season we forget and act as if it never happened or as if it never existed. So never stop celebrating the miracles that God does. My last scripture for you, it's in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. I love this verse. Take a picture of it. Put it on your Instagram bio. No, I'm kidding. Maybe. I don't know. But it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Remember, God will increase your opportunities. God will increase your influence. I'm not saying wealth and health. I am not saying that. But I am saying that if he can trust you, if he can trust you to sow, he will give you more seed. The world of the generous. Everybody say generous. Just gets larger and larger. larger. The world of the stingy. Smaller and smaller. I want to pray with you right there where you're at. Because I believe God's already working. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.